3: People say, what
2: are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels.
3: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? Why don't you know about the greatest general in the 20th century? I I guess I shouldn't be too presumptive. Some of you know. Listeners to my show, I mean, shows inevitably the audience will kind of take the form of The guy who's behind the mic because my interests are your interests. And so that's why we talk about these things. It's a two-way conversation here. So to be fair, many in my audience may know about this guy. Some definitely will. But let let me clarify something. In the 20th century, the best general, you know how we can debate a bunch of things? There is no debate about this. The best general of the 20th century is one person, and any other answer is wrong. In fact, he's probably on the very, very, very short list of greatest generals of all time, and he's never listed on it. Maybe if you get a real history nerd, he'll squeak into the top 10 somewhere. But let's be clear again. For the greatest general of 20th century, there is one answer. And 99% of Americans don't know his name. Why? His name is Georgi Zukov. And he has on his resume... Well, honestly, the biggest battles ever, the top, let me see, top three at least, greatest battles ever, top three greatest battles ever, He, he won all of them. Not only was he in the biggest battles ever, he won them all. First of all, 1896, the man is born. He is born in not yet communist Russia. Remember, this is 1896. That whole commie revolution, civil war stuff was 1917, 18, all that. He's born in a small village outside of Moscow. And they are dirt, dirt poor. They're so poor... This fascinates me so much because I think about our standard of living today. They're so poor. Get this. He was sent to work in Moscow in a separate place at the age of 10. Can you even can you even wrap your mind around that? I have a 10-year-old. And you know what? My 10-year-old. Dude is sharp, street smart, great in a conversation, straight A's, just one of those people. I mean, everybody says this about their kids, but up here since my show, I'm telling you, one of these people who's he's going to be something. He's either going to be a criminal or, or uh, very successful at something. I guarantee you that. And I don't think I would s- send him to another down by himself at 10 years old? Don't get me wrong, he could probably do it. But I don't think I, what? And I'm not exactly the protective type with my kids. But this is not a unique story for Zukov, this part of it anyway. He just, that's what you did. Family has to eat. Necessity tends to wash away so many of our notions about what life should and shouldn't be. You and I, a ten-year-old, ten-year-old, he wants pizza for dinner, and we're gonna have uh, birthday parties at Dave and Buster's, and let's—I mean, let's watch some cartoons and stuff, right? You're in Russia in 1896. Uh, we have to eat food or we're all going to die. Uh, son, you need to go to Moscow and get a job at 10 before you hit puberty. Gosh. Then, you want to know what poor is? I'll put it to you this way. You remember World War One? We've talked about World War One several times. You know, basically the worst war in the history of war. Not that any of them are great. And I understand the loss of life was obviously much more World War II. But as we've talked about, the fighting, the style of fighting, just the the fact that generals weren't caught up with the technology, it was just so awful that World War One is number one on my list of wars I would not want to have fought in. And I mean from ancient times to today. Georgi Zhukov? He got conscripted into the army as a young, young man and sent off to World War I and was thrilled about it because it was so much better than the life he left behind. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Thank goodness we're finally here. All right. Eastern Front. What are we doing today? Oh, we're gassed? Well, I don't care. We've got food, right? Do we have food? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, look, shoes. That's exciting. a new life, a different kind of life. He gets out of World War I, acquits himself very, very well. And remember, this is not from some upper-class family. He, wasn't, he didn't go in as some officer. He just shows up in one of these people who's not only smarter than everyone else, men underneath him all respect him. And you see those two things very, very, very rarely go hand in hand. There are so many people out there who you hear them talk or or see what they write, and you think to yourself, wow, that guy's got to be a genius. But you would never want to be around him. He'd talk down to you. He'd talk over you. I've been around these people. I'll tell you what, writers are terrible about this. Really accomplished writers. I've had dinner with these guys before, you know, in group settings and things like that. They genuinely think they are intellectually superior to everybody. You'd never want to hang around them. Rare is the man who is smarter than everyone else, and you genuinely just want to be around him and follow him and will follow his orders. Now, after the Communist Revolution, which he obviously takes part in as well, everybody did, after the Communist revolution, the Soviet Union was going through a forced modernization. It's part of the reason they the revolution was even possible. I mean, the Soviet Union was just backwards. they, they could not get themselves, Modernized, and this was the era, remember, where everybody was modernizing. Remember Japan, you know the story. Japan rapidly trying to modernize. Everyone else, technology's growing so fast, we got to catch up. We're falling behind. Stalin, Lenin, they take over. It's just Lenin at this time. They take over and they know the Soviet Union has to modernize. They have to get better. Well, when you're in a communist country like that. You don't just kind of let it happen naturally. You know, there's none of that. It was really, really terrible for the people. It was, oh, hey, congratulations. You're now a factory worker over here because we need to build a factory here. Oh, you you don't like that? Should I just line up your whole family and shoot them in the back of the head? Yeah, that's what I thought. I'll see you in the factory on Monday morning. Hang on.
5: Talk Radio Revolution. Jesse Kelly.
4: Car repairs are so expensive today. It's, it is unbelievable how expensive these car repairs are. I um, Look, I'm currently struggling with whether or not to trade in my truck because I'm having more problems with it. And by the grace of God, I have a car shield auto protection Plan. They have a wide range of plans for you to choose from, and they can save your bacon. And the best part of CarShield, because they're America's number one auto protection plan company, they have the power to give you the flexibility of choosing your mechanic or choosing the dealership where you want the work done. Let's be honest. A mechanic close to your home can make all the difference in the world. Go to carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Do not forget to use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10% off. carshield.com. A deductible may apply. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Modernization in the Soviet Union was difficult, to put it mildly. And then, eventually, if life wasn't hard enough, Joseph Stalin takes over. Now, it's not as if Vladimir Lenin, the original boss of the commies, was some peach. But Joseph Stalin, I mean, legitimately, probably just a sadistic murderer. You know, there are so many of these guys, we look at history's monsters like Mao and Hitler and these types, and they have differing resumes, but they ordered the killing of millions, but almost undoubtedly, especially in Hitler's case, never actually killed someone themselves. I realize ordering somebody dead and doing it yourself is not really any different on the grand scheme of things, but let me tell you personally. Once you squeeze the trigger and take somebody's life, it is different than just saying, I wish this guy would die. Uh, Stalin killed people personally, was well known for it. There's a story of Stalin, a friend slighting him in some way, and Stalin going out on a boat with this guy, knowing he couldn't swim and shoving him into the water and staring, staring at him as he drowned, just watching him die. Stalin was a legitimate psychopath, and I mean psychopath, and that was before he took over one of the most powerful countries in the world. Now Stalin gets in, and he begins, and look, we'll do, we'll do, shoot, we'll do several history shows on this one day at various times, but he does a gigantic purge of people he views that are threats to his power. Now, let's talk about this for a moment, especially these days. I mean, all days, but these days when people are wondering about power politics and civil wars and wars and splits and things like that. We are blessed right now, extremely blessed, you and I have been blessed, to live in a country where we don't have to really worry about these things. So I, I should say don't. I haven't ever had to worry about these things. Eventually, you will. That's the inevitability Of of what comes, but we've never had to worry about a general taking his army, taking a bunch of troops, and just deciding, "Uh, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and be in charge. So often that happens in other parts of the world. As we speak, it happens. It's happened throughout history, and it makes sense, doesn't it? When it comes down to it, you know that great Pompey-Magnus line from Rome? From ancient Rome? When Pompey is busy taking something from somebody and the guy is telling him, you can't do this. This violates this law. And Pompey responds and says, do not quote laws to men with swords. Remember, the law, respect for the law, only exists in people's minds until it doesn't and then it's just a piece of paper it's like people on the right all the time will talk about the constitution this the constitution that with well, the constitution that's that's not in the constitution stop saying that to me i love the constitution as much as you do it's an incredible document it laid the groundwork for For this wonderful nation we live in. Stop saying that to me. Because nobody believes in it anymore. None of the Democrats do. Not one. They don't even acknowledge its existence. And 90% of the Republicans don't either. Back to the generals though. Throughout history what happens is. A general. All of a sudden looks around. And says. Well. Tell me what's stopping me from going to take the throne. Again, and that's where you'll get people to say, well, th- that's against the law. No, 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 no. Don- don't tell me about pieces of paper. I'm looking at 50,000 troops. Nobody else has 50,000 troops. So again, let me ask, what's to stop me from going and taking the throne? The answer... Nothing. And generals take power. There, how many coups have been led by a general all over the world? I mean, how many have we sponsored? All over the world. It's true. I'm not trying to look, I'm not trying to take a petty shot at the CIA. Sometimes you have to do these things in order to further your nation's goals. Pinochet is a great example. Our Pinochet show is one of our most famous shows. What you don't want the commies in charge of Chile? Well, you better go find yourself a general with plenty of troops behind him to go shoot some commies, and he sure did. Tortured some of them and threw some out of helicopters too. But we don't have to talk about that. Stalin is obviously aware of this general taking over phenomenon. And Stalin is not a man who takes chances with staying in power or not. Now, Stalin purged many, many, many people. And look, many, he had shot many. He had banished to the gulags. And on a brief side note, I kind of find that process to be fascinating too. And I wish, I wish somebody could break down for me the reasons why. And what what I mean is this. How do you make that decision if you're Stalin? You see what I mean? Here's here's uh, General Bill, and here's General John. And uh, look, I don't trust either of these guys. Uh, the, line up General Bill against the wall and shoot him in the back of the head right now. General John, uh, send him to a gulag. Well, why? What This is clearly not a man who has difficulty with the concept of taking human life. Why do not you just shoot them both? Or why didn't you just send them both to the gulag? And it it, it is odd to me how some people got to gulag. Some people, many, many died in the gulags. Some eventually got out of the gulags. And you should know, I've always found this to be fascinating. Some of these, you know, banishments to things like gulags. Yes, many were just the worst thing in the world. But some of the the prisons were essentially just a tiny village in the middle of Siberia. No walls, no nothing. But they knew if they dropped you there, there was no escape. And you're just going to have to live in the middle of this village. You, you would live like a normal citizen in the village. You have a little hut and things like that. But you can't leave because there's no place to get out. There's no way to get in that amazing. But Stalin begins purging the military big time of anybody he even slightly suspects are disloyal. Remember, they've had to fight a civil war. It wasn't like Russia woke up one day and thought, you know, everyone down for some communism. And everybody said, oh, yeah, let's do that. No, the commies took over after killing a lot of people. And having many in their number be killed. There was there was it was hugely divisive who was going to get to run Russia, which of course it would be, huge, powerful nation like that. There are gonna be some competitors for the throne. Stalin starts purging generals, officers throughout his military, having them executed, having them tortured, having them sent to the gulags. Georgi Zhukov is a prime candidate for these purges simply because of how capable he is. Remember, Stalin didn't need to know motive. Stalin was was as worried about capability as anything else. This is a guy who certainly could take over if he wanted to. We better stop that. But Georgi Zhukov was also so capable that Stalin needed him because right about this time, the Japanese were moving on up and getting pretty big for their britches. Hang on.
6: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners. The
4: Japanese at this point in time are moving on up to the east side to a deluxe apartment in the sky. I'm just kidding. That's from the Jeffersons. I made that up just now, but this is the period of time where the Japanese have advanced rapidly. We're not going into them today again, and they are now starting to figure out, wow, we are really, really tough. Let's get off this Island and get a little more land and some more resources. Sound good, everybody. And they set their eyes on Mongolia. And, Mongolia is fascinating because it's still there. And we just kind of forget about the fact they were the greatest empire on earth at one point in time. I still say it's the coolest moment ever that the Mongolian president or prime minister, I forget what he's called, sent Donald Trump a pony as a gift. Like They're, they're still big on horses there because it's such a huge part of their tradition. How cool is that? And go look him up, Chris. Go look up their president or prime minister. He looks like he could crush your head like a walnut. He looks exactly like you'd want the Mongolian prayers to look like. <laughs> Dude, it's just an absolute brick house. <laughs> okay, he's huge. Anyway, Japan sets their sights on Mongolia, goes storming in. Russia's not going to allow that for a variety of reasons. One of the main ones being, uh, we're not going to have these aggressive Japanese right here on our border. So Stalin decides he has to send someone down there and fight off these Japanese. Oh, only again, these Japanese are really good by this point in time. He needs somebody good. He sends Zukov. Zukov, instead of getting purged, gets sent to Mongolia to fight some Japanese, and he goes down. And promptly pulls off one of the great deceptions of all time. See, it's easy because we have an Americanized view of Zuka, of Russia. You know, what do you picture when you view Russia? Russians, a Russian general, some big angry bear, you know, with hands the size of catcher's mitts, wakes up and chugs a whole liter of vodka every day before smashing it against the wall and going to, you know, Charge through a brick wall. Zukov was a genius. Get this. He had plans to attack the Japanese. The Japanese were trying to figure out where this battle was going to take place. And Zhukov had plans to attack them. He knew he wanted to go on the offensive and catch them off guard. So he has tons and tons and tons of books printed called... A Soviet soldier's guide to defense. A Soviet soldier's guide to defense. You get that? He acts as if they're all reading up on defense and he has the books left all over a battlefield that he intentionally vacates. So the Japanese find it and they're like, oh yeah, these guys are getting ready to just dig in and defend. Let's go get them. Zukov completely outflanks them because he was planning an offense the entire time and beats the crap out of Japan. Like I said, the guy was really good. Now, the Soviet Union, let's just be clear about how absolutely awful they are, were, are, anyway. Immediately after this, they sign a non-aggression pact with Japan and sign a non-aggression pact with Germany. It's wild because after the fact, we know now the Soviet Union took World War II on the chin like nobody ever has. Casualty numbers like the world has never seen before and hopefully will never see again. 20 to 40 million. And isn't that amazing? There's like a 20 million person gap we can't figure out. I'm almost, I think it's 20% of the casualties of World War II were Soviets. I think the number is seven out of eight Nazis who died in World War II died at Soviet hands. So after the fact, they get a lot of credit now for everything they did to beat Nazi Germany. And I mean, look. They kind of do deserve that credit. Uh, They were on the side of the Japanese and the Germans in the beginning. Not only were they on the side of them, they weren't some passive observer. Uh, They invaded Europe with Germany from the other side. Poor Poland got spit-roasted by Germany and the Soviets on the other side. However, we're not going into that today. Don't let me get sidetracked here, Chris. Obviously, the Germans, as was their plan all along, gear up and get ready to screw over the Soviets and invade. Hitler does not like the Jews. He doesn't like Russia. Russia has lots of Jews. Russia also has lots of oil. Hitler wants the oil fields in Russia. Hitler has plans for Russia. That went well beyond the Jews, too. So he gears up and he invades. Now Stalin needs an incredible military, a better military than he has at the time, only, well, it turns out there's a price to pay for killing all your generals and officers. He is extremely short on experienced officers, extremely short, and wouldn't you know it, The Nazis are tearing through the Soviet Union like a blowtorch through butter, and they are heading right towards Moscow. Uh Uh-oh. That's kind of a big deal. You're Stalin. You look around. Who do you look at to defend Moscow? One man. Georgi Zhukov. Stalin looks to Zhukov and says, Go. Save my city. Save Russia, and honestly, if the Nazis are able to encircle and destroy Moscow quickly in this initial punch, they probably win. There's, you realize how close World War II got at times. The Nazis make a decision here, a decision there, differently. The Nazis win World War II. Wrap your mind around what that world looks like today. I know people like writing science fiction novels and stuff like that about it. It was a reality. It was. Zhukov goes and prepares Moscow to fight. He's doing things because the Nazis are obviously swarming in with their tanks and such. Zukov is digging humongous trenches and the only routes in. He knows the ways they went into the city. He bottlenecks them. He outthinks the Nazis at every turn. Zukov had no business winning that fight. And not only did he stop the Nazis cold in their tracks, once they started backing off, he launched a counteroffensive. I'm talking Russian. I'm talking Soviet soldiers all dressed in white in skis in the wintertime as the Nazis are fleeing the winter and Soviets are swarming them, slapping them around. It's actually really cool. It's very, very cool. The defense of Moscow is one of the largest battles of all time. Zhukov wins another one. However, Hitler is not done yet. You remember this whole Nazi invasion of Soviet Union wasn't a single strike thing. There was the single strike that got them clear to Moscow, and then it—I ah, mean, it's getting cold. We should, you know, why don't we circle back and try this again? Just, just hang tough. Let's, let's let the winter go, and then just hang tough. They try it a second time. They're pushing towards Stalingrad. They're winning. Again, the Nazi war machine is tearing through the Soviet Union. They continue to encircle entire armies and either annihilate them to the last man or have gigantic armies surrendering to them. And they're coming to the end of the Soviet Union, and that's in Stalingrad. Hang on.
5: Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show.
4: There are 10,000 places where you can buy CBD oils today. The problem is you don't know which one of these places to trust. Who has actually done the research? Who has done the testing? And I don't just mean one time, continuous testing. Well, it's Doctors Trusted CBD. They've done the research. They only sell the highest quality CBD for a range of issues. We're talking about anxiety. You have any anxiety right now? Any at all? Sleep troubles? Joint pain? A lot more? Doctors Trusted CBD, they have a solution for you. And they've been doing this since 1999. And they run tests on every single batch to make sure the best quality every single time for you. Go to www.DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Use the promo code JESSE for free shipping and $5 off.
5: Jesse Kelly.
4: Stalingrad is deep. Deep in the heart of Russia. It's on the Volga River. The battle at Stalingrad, which I'm not going to go into in depth at all today, was the greatest battle in the history of mankind. In fact, I might have to do Stalingrad this week, Chris. I might. I want you to wrap your mind around this. The United States of America has roughly 1.4 million military deaths in total from all of our wars combined, including civil war. I mean, 1.4 million total from the beginning of our nation to the end. That many people died at Stalingrad alone. That many people died at Stalingrad alone. And here's what happened at Stalingrad, and I want you to pay attention, because this is going to come into play here in a minute. The Nazis get to Stalingrad. They begin shelling Stalingrad. You're dropping a bunch of bombs and artillery on Stalingrad. I want you to picture a city. Picture one of yours. What? fine, some big city near you, or if you live in one. Now picture bombs dropping on it. Forgetting the loss of life for a moment. We're setting that aside. It's not what we're talking about. I want you to think about the infrastructure. Roads, buildings, and such. What happens to them when you start bombing them? When you start dropping bombs in the area? Are you picturing it? Unlike the movies, things don't disappear when they get bombed. They topple over. They cave in. You essentially turn Stalingrad into a fortress, if you want, with underground bunkers that have been created, with bombed out buildings that are now perfect hiding places for snipers and military units. The best way to describe it is just exactly like I did. Now, picture you bomb a city, your your big U.S. city, drop a bunch of bombs and artillery on it, all this rubble, all these bunkers and tunnels and different things that pop up. You have an enemy entrenched in there. Now, get this. You have to go get them out. You have to go get them out. Do you know what a nightmare that is? I have told this story before, I'm going to tell it again briefly because it matters to our story and I want you to remember this and picture it. The hardest thing I've ever had to do is clear people out of a building. If someone's in a building, especially somebody with any level of training at all, they have All the advantages if you're trying to go in there and get them and they're waiting for you. All the advantages. We were a Marine Corps infantry company. I'm not talking about reserves either. We were full-time, gung-ho, all the time. All we did was shoot weapons and exercise, baby. Battlefield tactics, communicate, follow orders. We were... Well, let's be honest. We were some of the finest troops in the world. That's not that's not being a homer. We were so, a Marine Corps infantry unit is easily one of the top units in the world. And they were prepping us to go to Iraq, and they knew there would be city fighting in Iraq. So they decided they were going to humble us a little bit. You have an M sixteen. I think they they use M fours now, but we had M sixteens when I was in. And you can do this thing with an M16 where you switch out a couple things and you put what's called sim rounds in it. You you essentially shoot a nine millimeter round that has a paint tip. Now, I don't want to call it a paint ball. I almost called it a paintball because it hurts a lot worse than a paintball. It will break the skin up close. It hurts and it hurts really badly. You have to wear protection on your eyes. You have to wear protection in your lower region. I had a buddy that took one down there, and it you don't forget screams like that. I'll tell you that much. And at night, they march us down to a shoot house, a practice house, a big practice house that was on our base in 29 Palms, California. And they have the military police. They're not called military police in the Marine Corps. I'm just simplifying that for you. They have the military police in there waiting for us. I forget the numbers now. Gosh, I'm forgetting things over the years. I want to say there were 10 of them. Not a ton of them. There were 10 of them. Maybe even less. There may have been five or six. But they were in there, and they had their weapons with SIM rounds in them. And they marched us down there, and we had our weapons with SIM rounds in them. And we, at night, again, a highly trained Marine Corps infantry unit assaulted this place. To go try to kill them. You know, you shot, you go down. And they have referees in there watching it and stuff like that. And it's shoot, move, communicate. They massacred us. And didn't lose a man. Did not lose a man. You try to clear somebody trained out of a building. That's rough. Hang on. they massacred us in that building there are just too many places you can hide in a building you know because you're there and there you're in it and they're not you know where the choke points are you can hide just here in this room and see this little window where they have to walk by you can hide up here on this on these stairs and you know they have to walk by this point. You can set booby traps everywhere, especially in a bombed-out building with rubble everywhere. You can set obstructions down. Picture if you were coming to clear me out of a room and you had a gun and I had a gun. And maybe it's nighttime, maybe it's daytime, but what if I do something simple like roll a chair in front of where you run in the door? Doesn't sound like much, does it? Go ahead and run in a room with your weapon up and I'm putting my weapon at the door and you trip over the chair. You're dead now. Gone. That's a tiny, tiny example of the living hell that was Stalingrad. Hang on. Knows he cannot lose Stalingrad or he is going to lose the Soviet Union. He gives an order. It's a famous order. The order is you're not allowed to leave anymore from Stalingrad. You're not allowed to surrender. You're not allowed to leave. They have men. Now they were famous for this anyway, but they have men now set up behind stalingrad where you would leave if you were in the if you were there and you were trying to escape you would leave they have men set up behind there with machine gun nests not for the nazis so they could machine gun down anybody who tried to escape the city you stay and you fight and they did and it was going poorly Until Joseph Stalin tells Zhukov, get down to Stalingrad and save the city for me. Zhukov gets down there and just organizes a brutal, brutal defense of the city. Manages to cut the Nazis off from each other. Realizes, well, they're already in the city anyway. Let's separate them so they can't communicate. He essentially isolates them. And slaughters them. You can even count on how many huge battles Zhukov has already won? I'm not even talking about the endless minor ones he's won. Moscow and Stalingrad very well could be number one and number two on biggest battles in the history of the world. And Zhukov is 2-0 and oh right now. Now... This was the end of the Nazi invasion of the Soviet Union. Once Zhukov wins, and he does, once he wins in Stalingrad, the Nazis are now on their heels, to put it mildly, on their heels maybe being nice about it. They are turning around and racing west back to Germany because now the Soviet Union has more men, more stuff. They produced a lot of it. A lot of it they got from us. And they are... A bit motivated, to put it mildly. You see, nobody likes to be invaded. It's never popular when you're the invading army, all right? You're never going to win popularity contests. You're definitely not going to win them when you're the Nazis and you're pretty much the most evil people who've ever lived. They were not only invading—here's what's crazy— Most of the Soviets they got to hated Stalin. I mean, it's not like Stalin was popular. They would have been on your side, except Nazis, well, they can't change their nature. How many political ideologies do you see out there? How many of them do you see changing their nature? A Nazi is a Nazi is a Nazi. they storm into your town? Do they treat you well? Do they tell you they're liberating you? We're here to save you from Stalin. No. First thing they do, where are the Jews? Uh, Any gypsies here? And they start lining people up and shooting them in the head. Soviets are tough people. They're not going to lay down for that. And think how far you have to push into Russia to get to Stalingrad. Think how many atrocities the Nazis have committed at this time. And the Soviets were giving it back, don't get me wrong, but it was their home country. I do not consider that to be equal levels of atrocity. I do not. You may, I do not. You're in my, you come into my home, whatever happens to you in there is your problem, not my problem. I'm not going to feel bad about it at all. And if I come in your home uninvited, I would expect the same thing. Now, though, here's the problem the Nazis have, and it's a huge problem and they know it. You have not only invaded their country, you have committed some of the worst wartime atrocities in the history of the world. Now they have the power and they're chasing you and it's not going to go well for you if they beat you and catch you. They fight this long battle getting out of the Soviet Union with the Nazis on their heels most of the time. But I don't want to make it sound like they threw down their weapons and ran away. This was still, even as they were, a very, very, very capable well-equipped German army that knew they were all going to die if they just turned and ran. So they're fighting their way back. They're just getting back as fast as they can. And the Soviets know this too. Obviously, Stalin is putting humongous amounts of pressure on all of his generals. Go, 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 now, now, now. But even his generals, as much as they can, are all, ah, dude, these are still the Germans, bud. We can't can't just storm right over them. We're all going to die trying to get them out of here. The Germans get back into Germany, get back into Berlin. The Soviets are still hot on their heels, tearing through them in Europe. The Nazis by now, with the exception of maybe Adolf Hitler, who's drugged out, he's lost his mind by this point in time, the Nazi leadership by now knows the war is over for a fact. And now they have a different kind of prayer. Now they're praying Britain and the United States of America get to Berlin before the Soviets do. They know what's coming. You see, they were well aware of who would show some mercy and who would show none. Which is amazing when you think about it. I know the Nazis invaded the Soviet Union, and committed all these atrocities in the Soviet Union. But remember, they bombed the daylights out of Great Britain. They bombed London badly. And even then, the Germans knew, oh man, we really would rather have the British here than the Soviets. And the Soviets were... Look, there's no defense of what the Soviets did to innocent German civilians on their way through. And it's been argued about because the Soviet Union was so secretive. They, of course, never took responsibility for anything and acted like these were isolated things, but they had whole prison units the Soviets did. Sometimes you deserve to be in that prison unit and sometimes you didn't. But this was a period of time where men would drink in combat. You have a unit of prisoners And they would use them, obviously, on the most dangerous tasks, the front lines. Here are prisoners. And now you have these units tearing through the German countryside, half the time drunk. A unit of prisoners drunk and very, very angry comes across a small German farm. Maybe a wife, some teenage girls there. I am not going into that today. it's just it's just it's too icky, but let's just it was unspeakably bad the things that were happening to the Germans, especially the women as the as the Russian as the Soviets tore their way through it and it was more than just the normal kind of assaulting you'd think about. There are stories of them being they're crucifying them on barn walls and stuff. It's really, really bad. And I'm not going to defend any of that and never would. But understand, we have the Soviets, they're not just trying to win a war, they're trying to get revenge for what was just done to their country. This is a war of vengeance now. Now, just outside of Berlin, east of Berlin, there's a line of hills there. They get shelled into oblivion as they line up in the hills. You see the Germans, they sent one of their great defensive generals along the hills to dig in a defense up there because they knew the Soviets were coming. Now, this had little hope of succeeding, but it was one of those things they're trying to make them pay for it as much as humanly possible. Well, you have Zhukov here, not some idiot. He's not going to run into the teeth of the defense. He sits back, brings up the artillery, and simply blows them out of the daggone water. But now, you still got Berlin. Hang on.
5: This is The Jesse Kelly
4: Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. Doctors Trusted CBD has something that will help you. 1 it's made in the USA 2 it holds a certificate of analysis in fact get this you're not going to believe this it's USDA certified organic their products the B Best Organics it's the purest of the pure full spectrum CBD they run tests on every single batch of it when i say this has been extensively researched and tested that's what i mean I Believe me, I know CBD places are a dime a dozen today. You can't walk five feet without stumbling over a new one. Please stop buying CBD from the local gas station or the strip mall that just popped up. Come on now. Go to www.DoctorsTrustedCBD.com. Do not forget to use the promo code JESSE for free shipping and $5 off your first order. Remember Stalingrad? We were talking about it about, what, 20 minutes ago? Stalingrad? With the buildings and the rubble and the fortress and the tunnels and everything else. You remember all that Stalingrad stuff? Uh, Yeah, of course you do. Do you think Zhukov remembers Stalingrad because he was there? He remembers. And now he has to take Berlin. And the Germans are terrified. Of what's coming. They have heard the stories. News travels fast. They know well what the Soviets are doing. On their way through Germany. The women as you can imagine. A little bit apprehensive. Zhukov has to figure out a way to take Berlin. Snipers everywhere. Tunnels. Ambushes everywhere. And. It's the vastness of a city that can get overwhelming when you're trying to take it. Again, go back to that city you were picturing earlier about the bombed-out buildings and such. Now, picture this. Think how big the city is. Not vertically. Think of the square miles your city covers that you're thinking of. Now, imagine having to take all of it. It's just... It's such a huge task. It's overwhelming to people. And and even generals, accomplished military men, are going through the same thing. We talk about this. How many sieges do we talk about? And when you and I picture a siege, because this is what we see in the movies and such, I do this too. I picture, you know, a small castle or this little little walled-in area like the size of a city block. You don't think about a sprawling city. With suburbs and slums and downtown. And oh, there's a nice park. And uh, Ancient cities had all that stuff too. And you have to occupy and take all of it. And the different challenges with terrain. That city you're picturing. Are there hills? Is there a huge sewer system in it where people can hide? How many bodies of water are there? Rivers? You see what I mean, how overwhelming this could be? And Zhukov knew it was overwhelming, so he gathers his other generals together, and he does, I mean, look, it sounds so simple, but it's so brilliant. He simply divides up the city into pieces. No, 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 General whatever your name is. You don't have to take Berlin. You have to take these few blocks. That's all. You take these few blocks. And he had this gigantic, I think you can still see it online to this day. It's really, really cool. He had this gigantic, like the size of a room, a gigantic model made of Berlin to help them visualize it and see. I need you to take this here and you to take that there. Remember, Berlin's been shelled now badly, too. It's not as if you can just follow the street signs and it happened to the Soviets repeatedly as they went through Berlin. They would get lost. You don't know where you are. So he simply broke it down for them and guided them. And one thing, one cool story about Zhukov before we wrap it up here. Zhukov was brutal on his officers, and this was a very vicious man. However, his troops loved him. He was a great family man. His troops loved him. There's this famous story about Zhukov where he sees some wounded Soviets on the side of the road. And he goes and he talks to them, just regular troops. And he says, well, Why aren't you getting medical attention? They said, We've been trying to flag down our officers all day long and no one will pay attention to us. They just keep driving by. We need medical attention. Zukov says, Okay. Doesn't throw him in his car. He drives back up the road the way he was going and sits and watches these troops on the side of the road. And any Russian officer, any Soviet officer who drives by them without giving aid, Zhukov stops them on the way past and demotes them right there on the spot. It's stuff like that made made his guys love him. Stalin has issued strict orders to Zhukov that he wants the red flag, the hammer and sickle, to fly over the Reichstag. That's the German Congress. That's their, their, their government building. He wants it to fly over the Reichstag by May 1st. Zhukov can only push back so much. He's still Stalin. Zhukov actually pulls it off, and it was a bloody, vicious fight. Someday we should do a breakdown of just the fight of the Reichstag alone. The Germans were very, very proud people and proud of their Reichstag, and they made the Soviets earn every inch of it. And the first flag to fly over the Reichstag in Berlin was the Soviet hammer and sickle. In case you're wondering what happened after the war, well, he's still Joseph Stalin, isn't he? Zhukov, honored nationally, a national hero, but now you're this powerful general. Do you think Stalin trusts you more or trusts you less? Only you're so powerful and so popular you can't be shot and you can't be imprisoned, so Stalin sends the greatest general of the 20th century off to a bunch of worthless little military jobs where he's in charge of some jerk water post somewhere. Zhukov descended into... I mean, he didn't... It's not like he... It's not like he ruined himself, but his family... I saw an interview with his daughters on TV one time where they talked about how he just got so reserved and bitter the rest of his life at how poorly he was treated after... Saving the Soviet Union. Georgi Zhukov saved the Soviet Union. Now back to my question in the very, very, very beginning of the show. And we're going to talk about this a lot today. A lot. Why have you, an American, with all due respect to all my international listeners, why are you Why didn't you know who I was talking about when I said the greatest general of the 20th century? Because your system, the system you're part of, the system you grew up in, the system is not going to celebrate a Soviet general because he was outside of our system. He challenged our system. I never heard the man's name till I was an adult. I've been a history buff my whole life. We are about to talk today about the system, about the system when it comes to the election, when it comes to Donald Trump, when it comes to Joe Biden, when it comes to the Bushes, when it comes to people on the right, when it comes to people on the left, when it comes to schools, media, global affairs, when it comes to war. You see what you are seeing now, what you've seen for four years, even if you didn't realize it. What you've seen is not necessarily a left versus the right. I mean, that's a huge part of it because the left really controls the system now. What you've seen is the system trying desperately to purge something that challenges it. Systems purge any challenge to it. Do you want to know why the swamp never drains? Why AG Barr is worthless and why you spend half your time yelling at the useless pundits on the right and people within the Republican Party? It's because you're thinking about it as only left versus right. How you should be thinking of it is there are people in the system, and people in the system, no matter their political party, will defend the system because that's why it's a system. Hang on. We're going to talk to Michael Miles and We'll talk about it. Joining me now, as he does every single Monday at this time, the great Michael Malice, who I'm sure is going to give us some enlightenment on everything we're seeing. He's the host of Your Welcome. Michael, I've been arguing this morning, and I'm going to argue this to him blue in the face. People get so frustrated with the GOP and and the federal employees who aren't doing anything, and they feel like these people fail, and these people fail, and Fox News fails. And what I'm trying to explain to people is it's not necessarily left versus right it's people who are part of the system and people who aren't part of the system, and the system simply protects itself.
8: Yeah. I, I, oh, you know, yeah. I, there's nothing to be blue in the. If you're arguing till so you're blue in the face, that's your fault because this is something that's so profoundly obvious once mm-hmm. you see it
9: yep. that it,
8: it really doesn't take much information to notice it. I tweeted this out, and I'm sure you agree that not that long from now, the Republican Party is going to be fighting harder to keep Joe Biden as president than they did to keep Donald Trump as president uh, when they start doing 25th Amendment stuff, if that's what they want to plan to do to get Kamala Harris into office. Um, It's absolutely systemic. You've seen it with Cindy McCain, uh, the Bush family,
3: Mm -hmm. uh, many other
8: people who went out of their way to endorse Joe Biden when they could have perfectly sat on their hands. And when in 2016 there was a huge controversy about, oh – Donald Trump might not support the eventual nominee. So the rules are always do what keeps us in power, but we have no obligation to do the same uh, if the situation's reversed.
4: And the persecution, look, I am not one of these Trump worshipers. Everybody knows that. I like the guy. I think he's done good. But I think the, the obvious, endless persecution of Trump is simply because he's one of the guys, we've seen these people in history who challenge the system, and systems inherently defend themselves?
8: Well, I think it's also the fact that he doesn't let them feel seen. I think people don't appreciate how much leftist psychology can be reduced to simply, we want a president who makes us feel good about the bad things. They don't care about climate change per se. They just care that there's someone there who says he cares about climate change. And once that Is being taken care of by the so called experts, they can stop worrying about it. Uh, When Joe Biden is putting kids in cages, it's fine. When President Trump is doing it, it's not fine because he's not making them feel good about it. Um, So I think, but I think people are going to be very, very concerned over the next four years because this idea that Joe Biden has somehow. Uh, silenced the people who were for Trump these angry people is an absurdity in my opinion
4: I am enjoying a great deal again watching everybody who's part of the system tell everybody now oh, this is a time for healing this is a time yeah. for, we don't need to be so divided so the four year hissy fit which included an impeachment of the president of the United States and now when you take over it's calm down the system is back in charge that, uh, that that's not that's not gonna work for me.
8: Let's go back to 2014 when we were being told every day that the Republicans were engaged in unprecedented historical obstructionism because Obama was black and they were racist. So even if Trump never existed by their own narrative, In 2015, 2014, 2013, this country was more divided than ever. But they're pretending that that never happened because it's not useful to their narrative where President Trump is the head vampire. And now we've all seen the movies. When you kill the head vampire, everyone else who's a bad person vanishes and goes away and the heroes win. They have no idea what's coming. Another thing, the Tea Party, right? They thought, okay – The Tea Party are going to throw a tantrum. Uh, These stupid older people are going to show up at their meetings, let their anger out. We're going to let them get their anger out, and then they're going to vanish and go away. That didn't happen.
4: Where do we go From here. What is there another? I I have always argued. I think there's another eventually not not necessarily 2024, but eventually there is somebody who makes Donald Trump look like a whimpering little kitty as because, look, 70 million people is a real number. They aren't going to disappear. They aren't necessarily buying into the system and they're going to pick a fire breathing dragon to fight on their behalf and maybe not necessarily a good human being at all. And I mean, really not a good one.
8: Joe Biden is nowhere near as much of an enemy as the New York Times editorial board. So anyone who thinks the battle is going to be fought in Washington is completely missing the sights of where the target needs to be. And I mean that in a metaphorical sense, of course. I'm not Sarah Palin. They're going to construe you know, the calling for violence and anything like that. So the fact that in ever-increasing numbers, there is an enormous sense of contempt and hatred toward the corporate press is very, very healthy. Uh, whoever the nominee is in 2024, and you and I are going to be giddy watching Mike Pence debate Ted Cruz. That is going to be one for the ages. There is going to be a lot of work done in the next four years as they melt down when the corporate media increasingly loses their control of the narrative, and these reporters on Twitter who were, you know, wanting people out of jobs a week ago are going to be very confused that the contempt for them is not changing.
4: Michael, you are, I mean, part of the reason I love having you on is you are one of the very few who is an independent thinker. You don't say what everyone else is saying. You don't even necessarily say things that make everyone else comfortable. You like making people uncomfortable. But I am a father. I am desperate not to have my kids be Republicans or something like that. I want them to be thinkers who can see the system and step outside of it and think. What advice do you give to parents? How did you become one? What do you tell people to make sure? Think for yourself. See it. Because I can see it, and you can see it, and I get frustrated by people who can't.
8: Do not let the government raise your children for you. We came here from the Soviet Union, my family, and they put me to yeshiva, which is Jewish school. I got a scholarship because my parents knew perfectly well that government schools are designed to break children and make them subservient and obedient. They call it making good citizens. It is a euphemism for destroying independent thought in the most vulnerable and precious among us. That's all it takes.
4: Are you telling parents they should homeschool? Is private school? uh, Where are we at on private school? I love a lot of private schools. I realize that's not a catch-all thing, but I agree with you about getting them out of government schools. In what way?
8: Well, my understanding is private schools are also increasingly infected. Um, When you have corporate America running things, uh, it's not going to lead necessarily to good options. So I'm not a parent. I'm not in a position to tell parents, but I am in a position to tell them this much. Uh, This is something you need to take seriously. And there is a system in place designed for you not to take it seriously, to give you easy answers. It's the same thing as eating fast food 24-7. I like fast food. I enjoy fast food. But everyone knows if that is the entirety of what you're eating, it is going to have very nefarious consequences in the short and long term. And that is still healthier for you than having your children being raised by the government.
4: Michael Malice, host of Your Welcome. Thank you so much, my brother.
8: Take care,
4: Jesse. Bye-bye. All right. When we get back from this break, I'm going to play you a clip from a man by the name of Yuri Besmanov. All right. He was essentially, he he defected to the United States of America. Well, he defected to Canada to be more specific, but we all know that's part of the United States anyway. He was a former KGB informant. He defects over. here. He ended up dying in uh, 1993. I believe he died in Canada as well. I may have that wrong, but he died in Canada. He was a KGB press and propaganda agent. This was a man who was in charge of spreading communism. He did, and I highly recommend you watch it, like an hour-and-a-half-long interview with somebody. But right out of the break, you're not going to hear my voice. You're going to hear him. It's about a two-minute clip, and you need to listen to every word of it. About the system.
5: Truth. Attitude.
4: Jesse Kelly. Carshield.com. Right now, go there, because let me tell you what happens with auto protection plans, and I'm not pointing fingers at you, I'm talking about something I've personally done. Auto protection plans are something you don't think about, or you put off the purchase of, until it's too late. Once your car is sitting there, in a ditch, with the side of it all crumpled in, then it's too late for your auto protection plan purchase. You buy it now and pray you never have to use it. But look, let's be honest. Let's be honest. You and I both know you're going to have to use it. Something's going to go wrong at some point. Those are the only kind of cars they make. So why not go to America's number one auto protection plan company? Carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10% off. A deductible may apply. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.
10: Ideological subversion is is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process, which goes very slow, and it's divided in in four basic stages. Uh, The first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students, in the country of of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology... is being pumped into the soft heads of of at least three generations of American students... without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already uh, for the last 25 years. is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he he is going to.
4: Man, that sound familiar. Don't worry, that's not the last of Yuri Brezmanov you're going to hear on this show. I'm going to be pulling clips from him as I go through it and comb through it so you don't have to worry about doing it unless you want to. Believe me, it's fascinating. But when I talk about the system, and I'm going to start talking about this endlessly, just know this is not going to be a today's show thing. This is going to be a continuing theme because it's what we have The system is this. A bunch of people, some knowingly, most unknowingly, have been taught one way to think. They've been taught by the same people, pushing the same things. They've been taught to only seek out certain things and you cannot absolutely cannot reveal to these people anything that will make them question the system itself because they're so ingrained with it it's been it's been beaten into them their entire lives it, they're so ingrained with it to to challenge it to to ask them to remove it would be like asking them to cut out their own heart the very concept of it is unbelievable. A system or a culture, if that's what you want to put it, is so powerful because it makes you who you are. If you wake up, from the, from the earliest age, uh, my parents didn't know. I'm five, six years old. I'm sitting in front of a television set eating bacon sandwiches my mom used to make, just bacon and mayonnaise, which are delicious, by the way, eating bacon sandwiches and eating Doritos. They allow me to watch some Saturday morning cartoons. And on top of my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and G.I. Joe's and stuff like that, I'm watching Captain Planet. And I'm learning about things like acid rain. Remember acid rain? It never existed. But at 5 years old, I'm learning about it. And then I'm going off to government schools. You see, I'm not I don't I don't know. You don't know. And then I'm going off to government schools. And it's not overt. I mean, there are some places, these really radical places it's getting overt now, but it's not overt. You go sit down in government schools and all right, it's time to learn about uh American history, chapter 1, how we slaughtered the native americans. Oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. Oh all right, we're done with that. Chapter 2, slavery. Oh gosh, that's man, that's all we did here, jeez. No, 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 hold on. We have to finish chapter 3. The Civil Rights Movement. Here's a black guy getting eaten by a dog from a police officer. That's your America. All right, uh, there is no Chapter 4. That's America. Have a good one, kids. Year after year after year, but wait. It gets worse. not just your Saturday morning cartoons. It's not just your education system. It's your movies. They're all saying the same thing, aren't they? If you're really watching for it, you can't even watch the newest Avengers movie without a big girl power moment. You can't turn on Amazon Prime now without an entire Black Lives Matter section you need to watch. But it actually gets worse, you see, once you move into higher education, even the elite, in fact, especially the elite of the elite schools, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, you know these things, where so many of our political leaders go, where so many of our corporate leaders go, they're all teaching these things too. All of them. And eventually, you get to a point in the system where you have a new culture in place. And that's what we have now. We don't have an American culture anymore. We have something brand new, something horrible. Hang on. Still going.
5: Jesse Kelly returns next. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
4: The system is your culture. Uh, Jesse, why are all the generals, uh, why are all these generals, uh, uh, why are all they against Trump? Where do you think they went to school? Which system do you think they're part of? What Trump is, and I am not a Trump worshiper. As you know, I have had some loud disagreements with him. But what he is, is the one thing That is never allowed. They will allow Republicans to get elected. They don't prefer it, but they'll allow it. What Trump is, is a challenge to the system, which is why the entire system opposes him. Condoleezza Rice out there. Everybody just it's a time to heal. Congratulations, Joe Biden. George W. Bush. Congratulations, Joe Biden. Fox News calling the race early in Arizona. Congrats to President-elect Joe Biden. And now people are looking around screaming, saying, what? What? Who are these people? You have to understand. And there are so many on the right, including many of my friends who are not even intentional about it. They're simply part of the system, and they don't realize it. You will see this problem hugely when it comes to geography. If you are part of the Washington, D.C. slash New York City Republican crowd, it is very, very, very difficult for you to overcome and step outside of the system you know which of my Republican pundit friends have been loudest about... All right, what we need is peace. Everybody calm down. It's time for peace. Congratulations, Joe. Of course they're saying that. They're part of the system. They're part of the system. And the system exists as all systems do to protect itself. Why do you think Julius Caesar ended up laying dead on the Senate floor with a bunch of stab wounds? Julius Caesar challenged the long-established Roman system. It's not more complicated than that. Donald Trump is a system disruptor. Oh, you've had basically one foreign policy for decades? Ah, I don't like that. We don't need that. We can actually just arrange peace deals and start bringing some people home and let's change the direction on things. Let's pause for that for just a moment. Do you have any idea how much money and power and how much of our system is completely built For that only one foreign policy we've had, it simply will not allow for somebody to come in and change that. Even the president of the United States of America, they impeached him over it. Remember, that all came from the State Department. It's all system. And Now, before you go off half-cocked and go screaming at your friends, understand this. So many people who are part of the system don't know it, and they aren't there willingly. I had to catch a friend the other day, a Republican friend, a Trump voting Republican friend telling both of his kids, oh, Joe Biden won. He got elected. And I obviously didn't correct him in front of his kids, but I said, buddy, you know that's not true, right? He said, what are you talking about? All the the media companies are saying it is. I even saw it on Fox News. I said, okay, repeat back to me what you just said. And he knew. He's like, wait, he's not? I said, buddy, Al Gore challenged one state, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. There are currently legal challenges in five states Joe Biden is not even close to being the president-elect right now. He certainly might be when all this shakes out. But you see, that's my buddy being part of the system. Local news this morning. Got a text from the wife. She said, you're not going to believe this. Local news this morning, all they'll talk about is all the great coronavirus news out there right now. You see, the system, the system, it knew coronavirus was a great way to purge what it viewed as the real virus, and that was Donald Trump. And it did. Let's be honest. Even if, whether it was legal or whether it was illegal, no matter which way you look at it, coronavirus is the reason Donald Trump isn't president of the United States anymore. Period. End of story. Either the public really rejected him because of it, or it flat out allowed for all this mail-in voting, which has historically been you know, completely ruined by fraud, which is why people don't do it. And Democrats used it to their advantage. The system rejected it. And now you'll see it. You see it everywhere. Huge crowds. Thousands of people gathered in places like Washington, D.C., in places like New York. And you don't see a single headline about them being super spreader events. Weird. Only Donald Trump rallies are super spreader events. Why? Because the system is safe again now. Oh, it'll all be okay. Joe Biden's president now. Joe Biden's one of us. Cindy McCain. Michael Malice brought her up. Again, half the Republicans you listen to, they're system guys. And they don't know it, but they grew up. I I was a I was a poli sci major with a minor in journalism and right out of right out of school. I got a job as an intern for National Review Online, and now I work my way up and now I'm writing for this magazine. And why can't everybody just accept that Biden won the election? What is with you wing nuts? They don't understand their part of the system. A lot of these guys, like I said, many are friends of mine. They really do mean well. They don't get it. They don't get it. You must, absolutely must, to use a way overused term from that movie, The Matrix, you must unplug yourself. You have to step out of the system and start to see it for what it is. And this is even way more critical than that. You must teach your children to do the same. You have to. You have to teach your family and friends. They actually told you that coronavirus could be stopped if you stood six feet away from somebody and put a 50 cent cloth mask on your face, and people believed it. They told you that locking down your society, the entire system told you that locking down your your society and destroying your economy would solve the coronavirus problem. There was no evidence that it could do that. Since we've done it, there's no evidence, and I mean zero, that it helped at all. And still, more than half this country believes that we should do it. Because they have not unplugged and many can't. You saw a 5 minute internet video of George Floyd dying in Minneapolis and then you went on a 2 month rampage about how racist America is without taking 5 seconds to realize Wait a minute, they never they never actually did tie that to race at all. Never. They tore that cop's life apart. Bad cop, maybe. Maybe he killed him. Maybe he I don't know. Never was anything racial tied to him whatsoever. We burned down cities because the entire system told you you should. And I watched again several people on the right. Oh, we need- what we need is to change the name of Confederate military bases. We need a national Juneteenth holiday. Just- what else do we need? I have to show you I'm not- I'm not racist. Step out of the system. Join me. It's better here.
5: Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The
4: Jesse Kelly Show. Let me tell you what happens with a lot of these CBD companies. They'll say things like, oh, uh, we, we, we've we tested our products. Here's what that actually means. They tested them once. They tested them one time, just doing the bare minimum in order to comply And then they just start churning out product. Because, you know, it's all about making money, right? Not at Doctors Trusted CBD. They run tests on every single batch. Do you know how absurdly over-the-top that is? Every single batch they run a test on. And I know we all have issues. Aren't you ready to start digging into natural solutions? Look, if you've got anxiety right now with all this madness going on, I don't blame you. You know they have something for that? Something for your sleeplessness, your joint pain? They have that and more. www.DoctorsTrustedCBD.com Promo code JESSE gets you free shipping and $5 off. Got a new podcast review, Chris. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, you can get the whole show on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's on iTunes. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can leave a five star review. If you do that, make sure you leave a review talking about how handsome I am. This one was particularly good. The subject was Moy Guapo. That's Mexican for very handsome, I think. Well, he's no Russian sausage king, but he's devastatingly handsome, and I've heard he can order food like a god. As if that isn't enough, he's a doctor, at least on Fridays. So tune in, grab some queso, and prepare to laugh and learn your way through the end of this late-stage republic. (laughs) That's high praise right there. Again, the system. The system itself, it wouldn't allow Donald Trump to have any coronavirus gains either. You know what was so amazing about the debate? And of course, because the system won't push it. Joe Biden's plans during the debate for coronavirus were all Donald Trump's plans. It was all things Donald Trump already did. But the media didn't say that. And what's phenomenal, I'll see people on the right, again, people who haven't yet unplugged, many of them, pundits on the right, said Donald Trump, part of the reason he lost was his handling of coronavirus. And they're not talking about what I talked about, which is he should never have locked down. In fact, if you press them on it, they don't know what they're talking about. And the reason they don't know is they're only listening to what the system has to say. Of course, Donald Trump, immediately puts together this task force, pushes out all these private companies to create a vaccine for it. We just got word this morning, I believe the company's called Pfizer, I can't pronounce that name, that that looks like they're going to have a vaccine available any day now under Donald Trump and New York's Governor Cuomo, well, he had this to say.
0: "It's a vaccine distribution in the next two months. What do you make of this news?
6: Uh, well, it's it's good news, bad news, George. The good news is uh, the Pfizer tests look good and we'll have a vaccine shortly. The bad news is uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan. The vaccine plan is very important. And it's probably the most ambitious undertaking, undertaking since uh, COVID began. Uh, just to put it in focus Uh, We did 120 million COVID tests.
4: All right, I I don't need you to hear all of it. You're you're, you're getting the gist, though, right? Oh, oh, there's a good, there's a vaccine. That's awesome. Good work. I mean, well, we can't, we, we certainly can't start distributing it until, until Donald Trump is gone. You see, there is no, there is no solution for coronavirus until Donald Trump is gone. And then, and then it'll just magically fall from the skies you'll start to see nothing but positive coronavirus headlines. Coronavirus numbers going down. Look at the decline in deaths. Vaccine easily available. All the headlines you saw under Donald Trump will flip. They'll flip and they'll finally start telling you, not that big of a deal, move on with your life, lift these lockdowns, so on and so on. As the system is finally pleased, it has its man again. All right. Time for Medal of Honor Monday. This is a J.R. Vargas, Vietnam War veteran. Again, every Monday we do a Medal of Honor citation to remember these men. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as commanding officer, Company G, in action against enemy forces from the 30th of April to the 2nd of May, 1968. On the 1st of May, 1968, though suffering from wounds he had incurred while relocating his unit under heavy enemy fire the preceding day, Major Vargas combined Company G with two other companies and led his men in an attack on the fortified village of Dao Do. Exercising expert leadership, he maneuvered his Marines across 700 meters of open rice paddy while under intense enemy mortar, rocket, and artillery fire and obtained a foothold in two hedgerows on the enemy perimeter, only to have elements of his company become pinned down by intense enemy fire. Leading his reserve platoon to the aid of his beleaguered men, Major Vargas inspired his men to renew their relentless advance while destroying a number of enemy bunkers. Again wounded by grenade fragments, he refused aid as he moved about the hazardous area, reorganizing his unit into a strong defensive perimeter at the end of the village. Shortly after the objective was secured, the enemy commenced a series of counterattacks and probes which lasted throughout the night but were unsuccessful as the gallant defenders of Company G stood firm in their hard-worn enclave. Reinforced the following morning, the Marines launched a renewed assault through Dao Do on the village of Dinto, to which the enemy retaliated with a massive counter-attack resulting in hand-to-hand combat. Major, Carver, Major Vargas remained in the open, encouraging and rendering assistance to his Marines when he was hit for a third time in the three-day battle. Observing his battalion commander sustain a serious wound, He disregarded his excruciating pain, crossed the fire-swept area, and carried his commander to a covered position, then resumed supervising and encouraging his men while simultaneously assisting and organizing the battalion's perimeter defense. His gallant actions uphold the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the U.S. Naval Service. Dude is still alive to this day, but. And so I can give you some heartening information after all that system talk. If you're not part of it, you have millions of people in this country who also are not part of it. And they're, they can see, and they're starting to see better. And you need to gather with these people, whether it be on social media or in person, if for no other reason than to remind yourself you are not alone. Yes, our system is broken. Our system purges people who challenge it. But you are not alone. There are tons of us. However this election turns out. However it turns out. However the Georgia Senate race turns out. And that's all eyes turn to Georgia now. However any of this happens. You are not alone. What if we lose the Senate in Georgia and the next four years are complete Democrat control? Let me tell you something, Jack. I'm not going to lie. It's going to suck. But you're not alone. And maybe, maybe it'll suck to the point that more and more people will start to see the system and start to unplug. I see all these Republicans, I see all these Republican presidential hopefuls being awfully quiet about an election that very well could be illegitimate. Boy, what short-term thinking that is. You see, they don't want to upset the system. You can't be outside the system. Don't, Don't make the system mad. Brother, if, and I don't know this for a fact yet, but if the Democrats have a system in place that allows them to get whatever votes they need to win the presidency, you're never going to have a Republican president ever again in this country. This investigation into what happened, it better be completed. And if you're a Republican not not backing it, you have big-time, short-term thinking problems. The elections have to be legitimate or it's giving it to you straight. I know what the history books tell me. Your elections are legitimate or people will take back power by other means. Carshield.com is the place to go for your auto protection plan because they offer you a range. They don't offer you an auto protection plan. They offer you a range of auto protection plans, giving you the thing you should treasure most, flexibility. You should always be on the lookout for which companies offer you flexibility and which companies say, well, this is our product. Take it or leave it. That is a gigantic red flag on who you're dealing with. At CarShield, not only do they have a range of plans, you can pick the mechanic where you take your car so you're not driving all over God's creation looking for the only place that's approved. Not with CarShield.com. Go to CarShield.com and buy your plan today. And look, I'm going to save you some money. When you go to CarShield.com and use the promo code JESSE, that saves you 10%. Remember, a deductible may apply. It is a miracle from God. We have a vaccine. It just got announced. I can't wait to get Darby's perspective on this because he's such a level headed dude and I'm turning it in an absolute nut job at this point in time. Joining me now, Brandon Darby cartel chronicles. Everybody knows dude knows frankly more than anybody I've ever talked to about the border stuff, but has unique perspectives on elections and local politics. Brandon, tell me what you're feeling right now.
11: What I'm feeling right now. um, I feel a lot of things right now. I I would have, Uh, You know, obviously, I would prefer that there's some miracle that happens and Trump finds the Trump team finds something and then he stays as president. That's what I would personally prefer. I don't think that's very likely at this point, even though I I acknowledge it's still in the realm of possibility. Um, But at the same time, I mean, it's it's, uh, you know, people say that the election was stolen. There's all these assertions of fact. Right. And really, we don't know that. Like, uh, so there's a, there's a lot of assertions of fact, uh, going around. Um, and I just don't, I don't see enough proof of anything to, to make those assertions of fact. I also feel very frustrated that media outlets are calling, calling Biden the uh, president elect when he's not yet. He very well may be. And if he is and it turns out it was a fair situation, then I'll call him president elect. But as, as of right at this moment, He's still uh, presumed President-elect Biden. He's still forecasted President-elect Biden, but technically he's not, he's not uh, President-elect Biden.
4: See, that's exactly where I am with all this stuff. I mean, and look, there's, there's enough out there that there are some serious eyebrow-raising things that have, that have happened. I mean, headline after headline after headline. There's, there's, it's more than just Internet videos. There's eyebrow-raising things. I don't know how widespread it was, and I'm not telling people it was. I have no idea. I just find it very bizarre how many people are so quick to just assert, well, Biden won president-elect. We're just moving along. Biden has a transition team already in place. Why do people, especially people on the right, because that's where mainly my frustration is, why are they so quick to give up and hand it back in the to seek out quiet instead of seeking out victory? What is that with the mentality on the right? The left doesn't have that mentality.
11: Well, I'm not sure of what words I can say on this radio show, so I'm going (laughs) to avoid certain ones. But I'll tell you this, you know, there's a possibility. I mean, even even if if Trump can pull this off, um, because there were there are so many eyebrow raising issues like in Philly. And I totally agree. And I, I want them to be explored. I don't know that they're proof of widespread election fraud that would change the outcome. But they're definitely things to be concerned about. But part of this, too, is a little bit of it is Republicans just got outflanked. You know, they just got outflanked. Like when, when they started, it was dirty that the Democrats changed the rules in the middle of the game. It's dirty what they did with vote by mail. It's, it is dirty, but is it illegal? I don't know that it was illegal. I don't think it was. And part of that is just Republicans got outflanked. It's kind of akin to, to saying, well, we lost that battle, but we only lost that battle because those guys used – you know this certain bomb, and it's like, well, so you lost mm-hmm. the battle. Like, like, so I think that Republicans, what once they realized that vote by mail was going to happen, I think that Republicans probably should have fit, found a way to to embrace it and and not fight it to the bitter end. I mean, ultimately, Trump did, but he did it so late in the game. Um, I think that was just an outflanking thing. So it's like I said, it's possible that. When it's all said and done trump's going to have more legal votes still still a possibility um i'm not saying it isn't it's unlikely um and but it but what we i can tell you is that had had republicans not been outflanked then it wouldn't be this close that we'd even be having this conversation probably
4: um 100 if joe biden ends up president of the united states you, we only have ourselves to blame. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And yeah, even if even look, even if they did cheat, and, and there's cheating in every election. So let's just acknowledge there was cheating. We just don't know if it changed the election, how widespread it was. But even if they did, how are you so stupid? You didn't see that coming. You didn't think that Philadelphia would cheat. It's Philadelphia. That's all they do. Is che- Detroit. You Detroit cheating in election came out of nowhere for you. How naive and stupid are you?
11: Well, that's the point. So, so you know, Breitbart spent the last eight months saying this is what the Democrats are going to do to take the election. This And, and, and you know, one of my colleagues, Rebecca Mansoor, mapped it out eight months ago, and she's been talking about it ever since. And so it's not a surprise. It, to me, this is a lot like two, people, two guys got in a fight at a bar, and one of them kicked the other guys in the gonads. And then the guy who got kicked in the gonads is like— and it's like you're in a fight at a bar bro like you're in a fight at a bar yeah you got kicked in the gonads like that's what people do sometimes like so so you know and and honestly the number of emails i'm receiving from the trump team saying hey we need money we need money to fight this keep our elections fair to to uh you know tell the truth about what happened with the vote and then i'm reading that half of that money goes to like pay off other things and I'm like this is starting to feel gristy, you know to me it's starting to feel very gristy. so I, again I'm a Trump voter I would prefer that he had four more years hopefully he does I don't think it's likely but it's also starting to get kind of grifty feeling there's a lot of grifters involved at least so um, it's just an unpleasant situation all around like I said I hope Trump can pull it off uh, but if he doesn't pull it off I hope he at some point you know, uh, leaves with, with dignity and, and doesn't, you know, doesn't pull a Stacey Abrams or whatever for the next four years. Um, unless he, of course he really feels like it was stolen. So I don't know. I don't know what to say at this point other than keep with the facts, wait, you know, go ahead to what the eighth or ninth or the 16th of December or something, just keep with the facts and, and, um, and give them some time for it to play out and for the legal challenges to happen. And let's just see where it goes, and and hopefully we keep, uh, you know, we don't lose the two runoffs in Georgia, because if we do, then we're going to be in big trouble. As as people who are generally identifying as Republicans, we're going to be in big trouble. So, everything the left has is going to go into these Georgia races, and if the right isn't prepared to do that, the right's going to lose.
4: Is it wrong that I admire their mentality more than ours sometimes? Like when it, like when it comes no, to not, stuff like nah. this, I I just look. I, I would rather be us than them. But like I said before, they would never dream about giving up. They would never, they would never, ever, ever get outflanked in this way. We're always g- getting our butts whipped and then whining about the rules. We, 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 we do it ourselves. We don't have the balls to pick the field of battle ever, ever. We, we can't get the Republican presidential hopefuls to come out and say, let's just count the ballots. Like one has. Yeah. You know,
11: you know, Jesse, I, I look at this and I think, you know, I think it's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, I, I tend to, you know, I tweeted something the other day and I said, Hey, you know, if, if Biden is fairly elected or if it does legally elected at least um, and that's what it turns out to be, then, you know, I'll, I'll be respectful. Um, he'll be the president and I'll, I'll hold him accountable when it's necessary and I'll uh, and I'll, congratulate him when he does right i don't think he's going to do right very often uh for me to congratulate him but everybody got mad at me and people seem to think that there's they think there's a correlation between being as ugly as possible and fighting really hard right like if i'm not calling him a bunch of four-letter words then that means i'm not fighting and i'm and i'm uh you know a wussy i'm to put it i could i could say that on radio i'm a wussy who um who isn't fighting. And that's just not the case. Uh, you know, there's a way to fight. There's an intelligent way to fight. There's a, an intelligent way. You can be very polite and dignified while you, while you return the favor and kick somebody in the gonads, you know, uh, proverbially, of course, uh, you, you can be very uh, respectful in that. So I intend to just keep being respectful, keep being fact-based, uh, keep pointing out that this guy's not president-elect yet and that's Mm -hmm. not been certified and when it and when it is, if it is, and it probably will be, uh, we're just gonna have to move forward.
4: Brandon Darby, appreciate you, my friend. Brightbart.com. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Hang on. Oh got an animal
6: inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to the Jesse Kelly show. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
4: we got a voicemail guy is asking am I telling people to lay down and take the results here it is
6: hello uh, this is Craig in Hamilton Montana I heard you mention the other evening almost like looking at things uh, that things could be interesting the way way it's going I just hope you're not placating, trying to placate people to get them to accept this, Uh, you know, they want to take over without any kind of uh, resistance like that little Chris uh, Wallace uh, when he moderated the debate. Said, will you tell your people to stand <laughs> down? Meanwhile, well, my people are. Right.
4: I love it. I love it. Really, it made my day because it was, you know, obviously so, you know, reserved and whatnot. And then they just, you could tell the anger got the best of him. <laughs> obviously, as you can tell from today, no, I'm not saying lay down. I mean, look, these headlines, man. I mean, Wisconsin clerks may have unlawfully altered thousands of absentee ballots. That's Newstalk1130.iheart.com. New Judicial Watch study finds 353 U.S. counties in 29 states with voter registration rates exceeding 100%. That doesn't seem possible. Headline, software that incorrectly gave Biden thousands of Michigan votes Used in twenty-eight other states. Headline: Sydney Powell. I need to get her on. I actually know Sydney. I love her. Sydney Powell claims there are four hundred and fifty thousand ballots that voted only for Biden and left the rest blank. Four hundred and fifty thousand people voted for Joe Biden. And left the rest blank? I mean, if that's true, and Sidney Powell is not some wingnut. Sidney Powell is about one of the sharpest people I've ever talked to in my life. Mega, mega powerful, accomplished lawyer. If that's true, don't you dare tell me to just lay down and accept this. And don't you dare Tell me that this is a time for healing now. I'm hearing this from system Republicans and, of course, from all the Democrats, Joe Bidens out there. This is a time for heal. Go screw yourself. You don't get to throw a four-year hissy fit complete with special investigations and impeachments and character assassination and Nazi this and white supremacist that. And then finally take power back and say, hey, man, calm down. We're friends. We Look, l- we're in this together. No, no. Together is a two-way street, Jack. Together is a two-way street. Because when you say together, I kind of think you mean I'm underneath you and I need to shut up and do what I'm told. That's really what it sounds like you're saying when you say that to me. Uh, that's going to be a no for me. That's going to be a no for me. And don't, and this is human nature, you need to caution yourself against this. Don't be so tired and worn down with all this fighting that you start to agree with, well, we just need to heal stuff because you're tired. Look, if you're tired, Take a break. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. I didn't get to much non political stuff today. I have great stuff. I'll, I'll roll it out tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with taking a little break, but do not allow yourself to do that. Oh, man, you know, I'm just so burnt out. I'm burnt out. I'm tired. <sighs> <sighs> I just, I just, you know what? Fine. Just do whatever you want. They live for that attitude. Live for that's music to their ears because they're never tired. There's always somebody ready to fight for them. We're never going to win this. If we're constantly seeking out quiet, we're never going to win this. To take on the system is hard, and it's going to take time, lots and lots of time, and lots of effort. We did not get here overnight. We are not going to overcome it overnight. Take your breaks when you need your breaks, but do not let your desire for peace and quiet cause you to just give it up. 'Cause that's what they want, that's what they live for. Don't do it. Do not do it. This place is worth fighting for. Let's keep that up, huh? We're gonna play you some more Yuri Resmanov tomorrow. Got a cool history story I just thought of. I'm gonna tell you tomorrow. Hang on one sec. baseball barely tested for PEDs this season people we all know how this works don't we the black lives matter stuff had people changing the channel no fans in the stands had people changing the channel you got to give the people what they want right those guys are looking a little bigger. Ooh boy. 45 homers this year. He only hit 25 last year. He must have, must have been doing a lot of push-ups. Got some air squats, Chris. I bet he jumping jacked his way into increasing those homers. <laughs> Let's all just acknowledge we like what we like. acknowledge we like what we like. Gosh, this coronavirus really exposed so many people. That's all.
2: For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon.